Hello and welcome to another episode of the City Business Edition here on 97.3 City FM. My name is Michael Obodu. Now last week brought an end to the effective leaving series for the month of January. Well today on the show we're bringing you highlights of the final day of the Africa Prosperity Dialogues held at Pidrasi for a three-day period. Now, that was the maiden edition of the event. And today on the show, I'll be bringing you highlights of that final day that we covered live on TV at City TV. Well, for those of us who probably do not know what the Africa Prosperity Dialogues is all about, it's basically a strategic platform where the movers and shakers of the African economy sought to elevate the after objectives from ambition to real actions. The summit was a one-of-a-kind event where African leaders from diverse areas of national endeavors will gather each year to discuss and share experiences on issues and initiatives required for Africa to achieve the goal of shared prosperity and shape the Africa agenda. Now, the theme for the maiden edition of the event was from ambition to action delivering prosperity through continental trade. You know, it's opened up with a very interesting piece by renowned poet Chief Moomin. I think it's important that we all listen to that piece to set the tone for the conversation. If you were born in ancient Egypt at the heights of its power, when its pyramids pointed arrogantly towards the heavens and its pharaohs felt they were gods with the power to divine, to bend the Nile, to nourish their prosperity. Imagine an ancient civilization that lasted for 3,000 years with its mystery still lost in history. But even Egypt fell and its valley of kings stood silent except for the raids of thieves and archaeologists digging for lost glory from Luxor to Giza. Today, remnants of that lost glory stand in exhibitions across museums around the world. They point at them to little children and say, look, these are the remains of a once great people. Imagine you were a politician in the sense of the empire of Rome at the best of times when its legions spread from the sand dunes of Alexandria in Africa all the way to the forest coverings of the so-called barbarians of the Germanic tribes of Europa. Imagine the Colosseums with tens of thousands of Roman citizens screaming for blood and the gladiators cutting down themselves and Caesar relishing in the power of the realm. But even Rome fell. And the Colosseum stood empty and the Senate silent except for the distant echoes of past glory. Imagine riding out with Kenjus Khan with a thousand Mongolian horsemen to conquer territories across Asia and forge nations. Imagine sailing with Sultan Mehmed into Constantinople that stood a thousand years unconquered until the Ottomans invaded Hagia Sophia. Imagine traveling with the great Mansa Musa from Mali to Niani with a caravan of 60,000 with so much gold that the price of the commodity devalued at every city. They stopped that. But even the Mongols fell, the Ottomans fell, the Malians fell. But this is not a story about the fall of great nations. It is the story about the rise of great nations. For no one group of people have a perpetual hold to power, wealth, and prosperity. Even if you have reigned for a hundred or a thousand years, there were others after you. 
and many more will come before you sometimes when we contemplate the problems of africa we wonder can we rise in power can we rise from the poverty and the desperation of our situation into an era of prosperity across all equations yes we can and we must that is why we have gathered here today at the africa prosperity dialogues to sit together to think together to plan together to act together with agency to reimagine a new african prosperity through the golden opportunity of the afcfta life is a relay race and you must always be ready to take the baton and sprint into action the baton of prosperity is coming back to africa are we ready that is the work we must do today so that our children can sprint into action can sprint into prosperity ladies and gentlemen welcome to the africa prosperity dialogues Well, now we can listen to the opening address by the Secretary General of the African Continental Free Trade Area, Wam Kelemene, based on the theme for the Africa Prosperity Dialogues 2023. We have made significant strides, not only in establishing the Secretariat as an institution, but also in jointly establishing Ghana and Accra indeed as Africa's trade and commercial capital over the last two and a half years. And I'm very grateful to His Excellency the President for all of the support that he has personally provided uh, to me and of course his government, the Minister of Foreign Affairs, uh, the former Minister of Trade, who have provided all of the resources that we require to ensure that the takeoff of the Secretariat was indeed successful. Today, the theme that we deliberate upon is acceleration of AFCFTA implementation from ambition to action. And I wish to take a few minutes to set out the achievements of the last two and a half years in very, very difficult circumstances caused by the COVID-19 uh, pandemic and of course the circumstances, the new, newly emerging geopolitical tensions that we are all aware of, which have presented significant challenges as we start the journey of trade liberalization and market integration on our continent. We have established, successfully established, a new regime for trade in Africa. We now have all of the legal documents that are required for commercially meaningful trade to happen. We have an electronic tariff book. We have a rules of origin manual, which enable our traders, our economic operators, to determine with certainty the rules that apply to them, the harmonized rules that apply to them as they seek to trade between Nigeria and Kenya between Egypt and South Africa, across regions of our continent. We have also established the Pan-African Payments and Settlement System, along with our uh, strategic partner, Africsim Bank. And as we all know, one of the biggest challenges that our continent faces is the cost of trade. 
affordability of trade and access to trade, particularly for small medium enterprises and young entrepreneurs. It is our intention that with the introduction of the Pan-African Payments and Settlement System, that a trader, a small medium enterprise, a young entrepreneur on any part of our continent going forward will be able to trade in local currency without having to face the challenges of the cost of currency convertibility. We estimate the cost of currency convertibility to be up to $5 billion annually. As you may well be aware, in 2019, the African continent transacted close to $20 billion in global uh, payments platforms, which of course uh, is not the best, in the best interests of Africa's economy. And so the introduction of the payment system with Africsim Bank enables Africa to establish for herself an alternative payment system to support and to boost intra-Africa trade, particularly intra-regional trade that is led by small medium enterprises and young entrepreneurs. In order to build investor confidence of Africans and to build business confidence of Africans, for the very first time, we have established the dispute settlement body and the dispute settlement mechanism, which will enable a fair, competent adjudication of disputes that arise under the AFCFTA. And of course, as we all know, there will be disputes as they are in the business world. And so the dispute settlement body, which has begun its work, will soon be fully operational with the appointment of appellate body members, outstanding Africans, the best legal minds that our continent has to offer. I hope that with the establishment and operationalization of the dispute settlement mechanism, that we are sending a very clear signal and a very strong signal to our investors, African investors, to our business community, that indeed the African continent is open for business and that, of course, we want to trade on the basis of rules so that we can have market certainty, predictability, to ensure that we reach the objectives of the AFCFTA and that we are able to double intra-Africa trade by the year 2035. Now, there are quite a number of keynote addresses. I'm going to focus on a couple of them. Let's listen to the CEO of Ethiopian MS Fantasio speaking on addressing challenges of moving goods and people across Africa. Ethiopian Airlines has a lot of challenges which is shared among African airline industry. The first one, traffic right. Many African countries are still restricting permit to fly into those countries and inhibiting the free movement of people and goods. This is affecting the development of African airlines, both big and small. The, the reason behind is often given as protection of the smaller national carriers from being overwhelmed by the bigger airlines. This 
is incorrect belief. I know several smaller airlines who started operation died because of traffic right limitation into their neighboring countries. I know that several African countries are not happy for African airlines to fly to them, whereas they open up to non-African airlines. We have to correct this if we want the indigenous African airlines to develop. Secondly, tax. <clears throat> In Africa, many countries believe that air transport is good for the rich and it has to be heavily taxed. I can give an example. The airfare between Lome and Accra, 50% of it goes to government and other taxes. This has made air transport expensive to use in Africa compared to the rest of the world. It is understood that African governments want to generate revenue and are taxing the airlines, but the tax should be reasonable. Ethiopian Airlines flies to 131 destinations throughout the world, and among them, 63 are in Africa. We don't have tax issues in the U.S. We don't have tax issues in Europe. No problem in Middle East and Asia. We have problems of tax only in Africa. Why? I think governments have to benchmark about the tax system on airlines that they are levying on the indigenous airlines. This is dwarfing the indigenous African airlines by making the fare very expensive, not non-affordable to Africans, but at the same time, a different regime of tax is applied on airlines in Africa. And I would like to be honest with you that the sales offices of many smaller African airlines are often closed due to unreasonable tax, which is not asked anywhere else. We have to correct this if we want African airlines to develop and contribute to our ambition of creating a, 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 a African development. The third one is infrastructure. For air transport to be safe, efficient, we need to have enough airports. We have to build enough airports, but at the same time, we have to upgrade the facilities of existing airports. At several airports in Africa, it is common for us to see that the security screening X-ray machine is broken and the flight is delayed by one hour. We don't have parking space, so the flights have to queue. We don't have enough cargo warehouse to transport cargo between stations in Africa. 
There are a number of infrastructure issues that we need to address. Then, Africa has 54 countries. Every country wants to have its own national flag carrier. It's not possible to have 54 successful airlines in Africa. It is a fragmented industry. It needs consolidation. It needs cooperation among airlines to create a very strong regional airlines that connect the communities in every region of the African continent. From transport, now we move to telecommunications. Now, MTN's group president and CEO, Ralph Mupita, has been speaking on the topic, the role of telecommunication in deepening intra-African trade, challenges and opportunities. I'd like to put forward a couple of recommendations that we would, as MTN, see as vital for Africa to accelerate its digital and financial inclusion through the adoption of uh, digital infrastructure, digital services, and, uh, and frameworks. I think the first point is that we need a modernization and renewal of our regulatory frameworks uh, across Africa. The regulatory frameworks um, for telecommunications are outdated today. They are still positioned for a voice which was dominant up until the the end of the 2000s, we are now in a data era. And we're in an era where there is a combination of fixed and wireless to deliver these broadband services. The regulatory frameworks in pretty much all the African markets are still framed from believing that there are two sets of networks, fixed networks and wireless networks. And as we're moving to 4G and 5G, the networks are but one. 5G requires a lot of fiberization in the networks, not just base stations. So there's an enormous amount of capital that needs to be placed in building fiber networks across countries um, and also across regions. And as MTN, we are busy building an east-to-west fiber network uh, starting uh, out in, um, uh, in Kenya and looking to get all the way up to Cameroon and in that way improve the latency and the experience that customers uh, and users of our networks will have as they use 4G and 5G. So the harmonization and modernization needs to realize, firstly, that fixed and wireless networks are converging and actually will be one. The regulations need to be, um, understand that actually there is an interoperability between subsea cable, terrestrial networks, and what is happening at a very fast pace in developed markets now, which is satellites, the so-called non-terrestrial networks. There are constellations of satellites being built today that are falling over our region. Africa is in region one of satellites um, um, in, uh, in terms of how the three regions are arranged in terms of satellites. And as African um, countries, private sector, the government and regulators need to align on how we see the regulatory arrangements between terrestrial and non-terrestrial. And if we're not clear and uh, with our own foresight in terms of our own ambitions for Africa, we may find that the constellations that are going to be above Region 1, above Africa, are ones where Africa does not have any, um, uh, any control uh, for the benefit that it wants. So 
The first thing is really around modernizing and harmonizing the regulatory frameworks. The second point, which is quite related to the first point, is that there needs to be fair, um, a fair share contribution uh, from all the participants, particularly in the private sector, uh, in how this infrastructure is developed and used. Uh, mobile network operators you know, pay regulatory uh, fees, they pay taxes uh, to support the fiscus, um, but there are a whole range of so-called OTT players, over-the-top players, um, that basically are over the top of this infrastructure and pay no economic contribution to the countries that they are extracting the value out of. Now, without being uh, too pointed uh, to the likes of the streaming services, they really are only in existence because they can uh, operate over the top of networks, but they pay very little economic contribution to either the government of Ghana or to the government, um, the governments across the 54 member states. So the fair share contribution of international service uh, uh, businesses, the so-called OTTs, um, you know, the Googles of this world, the Facebooks of this world, would bring uh, quite um, a material resource to accelerate the digital infrastructure. The third area we would, um, you know, position is that we need to turn Africa into the skills hubs for many of the digital skills required for the services that sit on top of the infrastructure. Right now, you're all hearing about uh, generative AI, artificial intelligence. Some of you here may already be using chat GP3. Uh, we understand that that technology can even pass an exam. And uh, Secretary General Wamkele, uh, maybe it can write one of our protocols if we so ask it to. But these technologies are being de delivered in the developed world. Cast your way forward to 2050, the majority of the skilled workforce will come out of Africa. So we need to look ahead and say, where do we need centers of excellence, our own Silicon Valleys? And we need to have them here in Accra. We need to have them in Cameroon. We need to have them in Rwanda. We need to have them across the African continent where we have our own software engineers who are developing these applications on top of the digital infrastructure to serve our people, both in urban and rural areas. Africans understand their own needs for their own people, including in, in the rural areas, and we're best placed to develop those services. Now, one of the major highlights of the events I'm sure a lot of people were also looking forward to was to hear Mr. Aliko Dangote, the richest man in Africa, deliver his speech at the event. But unfortunately, he couldn't make it. But then... His speech was read on his behalf by the president of the Manufacturers Association of Nigeria, Mr. Mansu Ahmed. And this is what he had to say on behalf of Mr. Dangote. As a practitioner in business in this continent, the Dangote Group currently has, has, has footprints in 12 countries and we are building more. We have indeed established, invested and established plants in about uh, 10 of these countries, excluding our own country, Nigeria. And we have exported our products meant across various, various borders in West Africa, in East Africa, in Southern Africa, and in Central Africa. But we have also looked at other sectors apart from cement. Indeed, as we speak, Your Excellency may be aware, 
that a team of the Dangote experts are here in Ghana looking at opportunities to invest in a new invest in a new area, not necessarily in, in cement because we are already in cement here. We are looking into agriculture. Your Excellency, from our experience, what three key things the private sector would need to see being done and being put in place and being focused on to ensure that the tremendous amount of effort and work that has been done to, uh, by Mr. Wamkele and many of the people who have supported him to get us to this point, I think it is important to identify the three things now. First, compliance. Mr. Wamkele, all these protocols and regulations and rules that you have put in place, that the AFCFTA put in place, will not be of much help unless our countries are committed to comply with the, with the agreements that were breached and with the regulations that they themselves have implemented in their countries. Our experience over the many years is in fact that part of a problem is compliance. Yes, the private sector will understand we have weak infrastructure. We'll understand we have problems with the logistics uh, problem. We have problems with the energy and so on. But they will plan to do their business as they can, as much as they can, on the basis of existing regulation and rules and guidelines and protocols. But on the assumption that those protocols and guidelines and regulations will be complied with on a level playing field. We have had experience, Your Excellencies, that even in, with regards to protocols that have been agreed for decades, the uh, EL, uh, ETLS, for instance, we have countries that are not complying with these guidelines and this regulation, these protocols, and therefore impeding the process of business and trade. I think it is important that we highlight the need for compliance. And this is the responsibility, Your Excellencies, of you, you and your colleagues, our heads of states. The second, Your Excellency, is the private sector itself. Yes, we have talked about what the public sector should do. We have talked about what institutions should do. But what about the private sector? Because at the end of the day, trade, trade takes place between individuals and individual organizations. Therefore, we need to ensure that we bring together the, in, the key operators, whether at the small scale or large scale, to come together to build the necessary um, confidence and trust that enables them to work together, to invest together, to create those joint ventures and those um, various links in our value chains that will make AFCFT work. So we call on the private sector to do that. And we call on the public sector and indeed on AFCFTA Secretariat to also support and promote this bringing together of the private sector through the establishment and encouragement of those um, platforms, like indeed the African uh, Business Council, like the African Manufacturer Association, and indeed other key institutions of the private sector that need to be to come together to build trust, to build confidence, and to be able to build joint investments. Lastly, Your Excellency, we also need to improve on governance and the capacity of governance. I believe that it is absolutely important, particularly, that our regulators recognize 
and have the recognize their responsibility not just to serve as regulating and stopping but also to serve as facilitators and promoters of investment of trade and so on i think to do that we need to significantly improve and extend the capacity of our regulators and indeed our government operators and finally our president anado dankwa kufado had the final word on the day with his speech based on the theme for the event our governments and respective private sectors should work to provide opportunities for the development of women and young entrepreneurs with a view to achieving gender equality empowering women and girls as well as engaging youth in the productive sectors of the economy for the private sector especially micro small and medium enterprises the time has come to take advantage of the largest single market on the planet to increase value addition promote economies of scale and expand your businesses thirdly we should scale up efforts to mobilize domestic resources to support our development agenda including the productive sector we need to broaden and diversify financial products through innovative financial mechanisms such as sovereign wealth funds pension funds insurance savings private equity funds diaspora and sovereign bonds impact investing green bonds remittances public private transfer partnerships and we need to pay serious attention to and arrest illicit financial outflows out of the continent which are estimated at about some 88 billion united states dollars annually depriving africa of significant resources that could be used to support a development agenda we must urgently and collectively institute comprehensive and unambiguous tax policies to combat tax motivated illicit financial flows strengthen legal and law enforcement systems and bring together national agencies to stem such flows we need concrete measures to stop the systemic impoverishment of our continent and take and the theft of its resources finally investment in technology and innovation technology and innovation are transforming industries in every sector of the global economy the ability of african countries to harness and apply technology i the process of innovation particularly through new and emerging technologies such as Nano, nanotechnologies biotechnologies artificial intelligence and robotics to transform structurally our economies and educational systems is critical to realizing these potential economic benefits however accessibility affordability and inadequate regulation and governance frameworks are still impeding the development the development of emerging technology across the continent it is thus imperative to build technology and trade policy convergences 
whilst introducing and adopting new approaches to designing converging technology and trade policy regimes. In conclusion, I would like to urge all of us here to see ourselves as champions of inter-African trade. We in Africa have demonstrated great ambition in setting up the world's largest free trade area since the establishment of the World Trade Organization in 1994. And I believe that the generation of African leaders, led by the distinguished former President of the Republic of Niger, the outstanding AFCFTA champion, His Excellency Mohamedou Isifu, who have managed to bring the AFCFTA into being, will occupy as privileged a place in the history of our continent as the, gen as the generation of pioneer leaders who established the organization of our African unity, which is now being transformed into the African Union. We must now, with great zeal and fortitude, back this great ambition with our collective action to harness fully the benefits of a liberalized single market for goods and services. This must be our solemn and moral obligation to our continent, to our children, and to future generations. We cannot afford to fail. As African nations, we must join hands with each other and work diligently to pursue this noble cause. Hopefully, this dialogue, which has brought so many critical minds together, will not be a one-day wonder, but become a permanent feature of our collective calendar. Well, so that will be all for today's edition of the City Business Edition, where we brought to you highlights from the final day of the maiden edition of the Africa Prosperity Dialogues held at Pediasi. I'm sure you learned a thing or two and are inspired about the whole after conversation, especially when the theme for the dialogues was from ambition to action, delivering prosperity through continental trade. Thank you for tuning in. Please let's connect on Twitter at M Obudu.